morning, and welcome to episode 462 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, presented by the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh. I used the Play Index about five minutes ago. What for? Not for this, for something mm. else. Uh-huh. Uh, almost, sometimes I use the Play Index for things, like this case, in this case, I, I only needed to sort players by career war, mm-hmm. and it just felt like such a... It felt like using a uh, you know a spaceship to get to Seven Eleven. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> just I, I felt guilty. I felt like I should I should do a couple of unnecessary steps because uh, it was just too too easy a task for Play Index. Mm-hmm. But that's the great thing about Play Index. It is a spaceship that can go to yeah. the grocery store. How many spaceships do you know that can go to both the moon as well as the library? Uh, that's Play Index. Right. It can do either one. Never complains. Just does what it has. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, ben, how are you? Okay. Um, good. Um, so I wanted to ask you about, uh, not not for the whole episode, mm-hmm. but for a moment or two, mm-hmm. I'd like you to ask, uh, I'd like to ask you about Jonathan Singleton's contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any thoughts about it beyond what we uh, always say? Right. Well, the, the timing strikes me as especially transparent, right? I mean, we always, we know the, how Super 2 works and and how teams keep guys down to delay the start of their service clock so that they don't get an extra year of arbitration. And while they're in the minors, they, they come up with reasons that are, you know, more or less legitimate depending on the case about what those guys still have to work on and why they're not quite ready yet. And in this case, it was... And, and of course, as soon as the player signs an extension, if he signs an extension, then there's no longer any incentive to keep them down. So you might as well bring them up. But it's sort of, it's very transparent, right, to do it immediately. I mean, the, yeah, second, yeah. That, the second that he signs on the dotted line, oh, now you're, now you're major league ready. We have no qualms about bringing you up. Whereas presumably the, the day before he signed... They were still maintaining, you know, to him, to to the media that that he still had things to work on, that he wasn't quite ready yet. And it's the same same sort of thing with Polanco, where if he had signed his extension, he'd be up right now. But he didn't sign his extension. And so and so we have to wait and we hear all these excuses. And it's sort of used as a I get the sense that it's used from what I've heard as kind of a bargaining chip in these contract negotiations where the, the team will say, well, if you don't sign, then it'll, you know, it could be a while. You might have to stay in the minors for a little while. Whereas if you sign, you can be up here tomorrow. It's just, it's very, it's a protection racket. It's like basically, uh, yes. <laughs> great, great, great development. You've got here. It'd be a shame if something stalled it. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think that I, I'm undecided on how it, because you're right. It's it's sort of shocking how transparent it is. Um, you'd almost think they would wait two days, or they yeah, would have right. they would have waited two days to announce it, maybe or something. Right. Uh, so it's sort of shocking how uh, you know they what they say about how uh, in Washington a, a gaffe is when somebody uh, uh, accidentally says the truth. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm botching that, but it's almost like it's like sort of strangely, uh, uh, bluntly acknowledging what we're all doing, mm-hmm. uh, or not what we're doing, but what everybody's doing. And so I'm I'm a little undecided because on the one hand, um, I I think I sort of like I don't like that they all pretend that they're not doing it. I I kind of like the idea that the Astros were like, well, should we go through with a two day charade to 
make it look good. And, and somebody in the front office goes, no, screw it. We're just going to, whatever. We're not going to play that dumb game. We'll, we'll be open and honest with what we're doing and quit going along with this silly game that everybody plays. Uh, on the other hand, it does feel like it's it's a bit of, um, I don't know, like I, I, I like, I don't like the idea particularly of clubs using their um, leverage too forcefully against 22-year-old kids. Yeah. Um, and so if if it were the case that, that clubs were, you know, using this, uh, that there would there would cross a line where I would I, I would I would feel that it was a little bit slimy, uh, where basically you know I mean the guy who owns the Astros is probably worth two billion dollars you know and Jonathan Singleton is was worth you know probably forty thousand dollars before today so uh, but on the other hand I do I do kind of I, I like the honesty in in it. Yeah, I suppose it's honesty. It's a certain certain sort of honesty. There's a there's a good discussion of this going on in the Facebook group right now, facebook.com slash group slash effectively wild, where someone posed the question of whether whether people thought this was shady or not, and commenters are discussing it. The consensus so far seems to be the the standard line about the Astros that they are just taking advantage of a system that is in place, and they didn't put it in place, and they're doing the rational thing, and they have incentives to behave like this. It it does, uh, it I don't know, it... it feels feels a little slimy but um but it's it's hard to say that i wouldn't do the same thing in their position it's undeniably shady it's Mm -hmm. and i don't i don't think that the uh taking advantage of the rules as they exist is is an argument on its own but the doing what 29 other teams do is i mean it's the it's the way that these things go right i mean the Mm -hmm. astros took it one step further um by negotiating under these sort of uh, unequal circumstances, so maybe that's the the new level of shadiness. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, every every club does some version of this. Uh, I don't think the Astros are uh, particularly egregious. I think that I think that um, that not calling up Springer last September was more was shadier because um, it's one thing to not call a guy up in the first few months of the season. But it feels to me like a whole other thing to not make him a September call-up. I, I can't think of a player who was so obviously ready and, and had to, uh, the year before, and had to wait. Mm-hmm. You know, there probably are some, but I can't think. I mean, they made him wait like a whole off-season without <laughs> having a pension. Mm-hmm. And that kind of felt shady. I mean, he was clearly, you know, their second or third best player <laughs> last <laughs> September. And that they couldn't find room for him on a 40-man uh, you know, and with the expanded rosters, felt slightly unprecedented. But mm-hmm. uh, this probably bothers me not quite so much. I um, Bud Norris was out. On, <laughs> yes. friend of, friend of the podcast, Bud Norris, I guess. Uh, uh, no, no, not really. <laughs> was out uh, saying that it was a joke and it was yep. a, it was an awful deal. Can always and, count on Bud Norris to weigh in with some anti-Astros sentiment. And various unnamed agents, or or, or perhaps the same unnamed agent, uh, mm-hmm. having made various phone calls. Uh, also, were were bashing this, and I'm not surprised. It it does um, the, the 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 potential bargain is in, is incredible, and the risk to the Astros is 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 so low. Um, and so, I mean, I I would expect that the that the interests that those people who have interests in in getting money into players' hands would would not like this. But to me, Singleton feels like the wrong battle to fight, given his a fairly recent and fairly. Um, uh, well, his admitted uh, drug addiction. Mm-hmm. 
he doesn't really feel like the right guy to um, to say shouldn't be signing uh, in a situation like this. To me, it's mm-hmm. if I were if I were, for instance, if I were a drug addict and had admitted it and was grateful for the extra chances that I had been given, uh, I might be grateful that a team was willing to put anything on the line for me and. Uh, it might be it might be a show of confidence, and uh, so Singleton is riskier than most, mm-hmm. uh, and and probably this deal benefits him uh, more than, for instance, it would have benefited uh, Polanco. Maybe yeah, uh, Polanco had signed a similar one. And he's a guy. Who, I mean, he's been out of shape not too long ago, and had some disappointing partial season not too long ago, and even just. Going strictly by the stats, I saw a, a Mitchell Lichman comment earlier today just where he projected Singleton based purely on stats, you know, in his his own projection system and said that he projects to be like maybe an average player or or even worse at his prime according to the purely statistical um, system that's not informed by stats and scouting reports and everything. But yeah, he's not a he's not a slam dunk superstar. Yep. Sorry, I was typing something. I had you on mute so that you wouldn't hear the keyboard. <laughs> it's very considerate. I have three three more keys. There you go. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, one other quick thing. Uh, I think to, it seems conceivable that tomorrow... Well, let me ask you this. If Kendrys Morales signs a contract on day one of the draft, mm. his team is clear, right? They won't have to give up like their next... Pit, whatever the net like their their second round pick or I think so right if the comp- I mean, there, there if are, the compensation it, round is over but some teams are going to lose their second round pick like if you were mm. the if the Orioles did it they would give up their second round pick mm. so is it conceivable that they could have to give up I don't know anyway the, what the deadline is exactly but we're it seems to it seems that we're close to the uh, yes. to the point where Kendrys Morales will be signed mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I just want your very quick Quick response. Maybe we can talk about it later if you want. But your quick response: Will he sign for more or less? And this can never be proven because we don't know what he would have signed for. But will he sign for more or less than he would have gotten if he had signed in in March? Hmm. Well, it's safe to say that he will not get the deal Drew got, right? Where he just gets the prorated qualifying offer amount. I would expect that 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 won't happen. So. I, I mean, did he have, do we have any idea what offers he had in March? No, Did he have no. any offers in March? We don't know. You're having to, you're having to compare against a counterfactual and that's impossible. It's a challenge. This is a challenge for you, Ben. I'll say on a per game basis, he'll get more just because maybe there are more teams with needs right now. You know, whether it's the, the Mariners or Corey Hart being hurt or the, the Yankees and Teixeira being hurt, there are maybe spots that have opened up for someone like Morales or or the Royals with Billy Butler not hitting various spots where where you could imagine him make maybe making sense, whereas he wouldn't have been a, a candidate for those spots in the spring when it really looked like there was just almost no one who could use him. Yeah, that seems that seems to me plausible too. I'm I'm not sure I'm not sure that even without the qualifying offer uh, situation that it wouldn't maybe sometimes make sense. For a guy like Kendrys Morales, specifically a guy like Kendrys Morales, mm-hmm. to to just wait until June. Well, that's the I mean the Boris philosophy when he holds certain guys late into spring training. He claims that it's because there's attrition in spring training, guys get hurt, and then his client, who is the only 
good player who's still unsigned is is the one that everyone wants to go after and there's no there's no competition if you want a player at that position he's the only attractive option so that's probably even even more the case in the middle of the season or maybe yeah. not because in the middle of the season you could you could have more trade possibilities perhaps yeah there's this there's maybe there's this sweet spot between like june you know june 5th and like june 18th or something where you're uh you're getting ahead of the the seller market yeah uh, where the buyer the buyer market has already started to develop because it does seem like there are there are at least three teams that i could think of uh the royals the rays and the pirates who wouldn't have considered themselves buyers uh sorry sorry sellers Mm -hmm. uh who plausibly will in the next few weeks um, and so those are three, you know, pretty good teams with pretty good players who could all be selling. They're also all small market teams, uh, oh, so they'll huh? have. Uh, well, not today, but in plausibly within a couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, they probably they should consider it today. Their playoff odds are seven percent, but yeah, I mean, they I won't. I don't think they're considering that. I don't know. No, they won't. But I mean, you could imagine certainly in three weeks if if they went say like uh, seven and twelve in the next three weeks. Mm-hmm that it'd be pretty hard to get away from that. So, Yeah, maybe. Uh, so it's a moral hazard situation for, for Dayton Moore, probably. Um, yeah, well, he's probably auditioning for his next job anyway. So show, show how a, good you can. Doing a great job of that. All right, uh, so the topic, the actual topic, which uh, might not carry a whole show, uh, because I really just it generally came out of one specific question, but we can talk longer than that. Did you see the franchise draft today on ESPN? Yeah, I uh, didn't didn't study every pick in depth, but I I saw that it was happening and and skimmed some of the selections. Well, I just emailed you a spreadsheet that has this year's franchise draft as well as last year's franchise draft side by side, mm. and each so each pick you can see where they are. Uh, where they were last year and each of last year's picks, you can see where they are this year. And uh, so the question I was going to ask you that got me thinking that maybe we should talk about the franchise draft, uh, if we should, is that last year Bryce Harper was number two, Manny Mm -hmm. Machado was number three, um, and Mike Trout was number one. This year Mike Trout is still number one, Bryce Harper was still number two, and Manny Machado is is number four. He's only dropped to number four, but Machado, of course, had a, a, a... you know, pretty bad injury late last year and is having a very poor start to his season thus far. Mm-hmm. Um, with as much as this matters, his defense, uh, his defensive metrics are, are also down a bit, but his offense, he's got like a 600 OPS uh, in 120 ish plate appearances. And Bryce Harper, of course, is out for the year uh, after a sl- somewhat slow start. I think it'd be fair to say. I don't know if slow start is fair to say, but. Uh, you know, not a, uh, he certainly wasn't on an MVP pace, uh, for instance, uh, 773 OPS, 0.2 war, um, also got engaged, probably not a, not a bad thing, but it is mm-hmm. something. Uh, so, uh, so I just wanted to know, do you think that you would rather have, and the franchise draft is 10 years, it's a 10 year mm-hmm. draft, uh, I think if I'm understanding this correctly, uh, and, and current contract status doesn't matter. Would you rather have Mike Trout or Bryce Harper and Manny Machado? Hmm. Good question. I think leaning toward toward the two. I think I might take the two. Mm-hmm. 
Well, last year would have been an obvious answer to take the two. I think even yeah. even with Trout as good as as good as he was, and uh, without quite the uh, quite the the little bit of concern that people have about his strikeouts, uh, last year Harper was still seen as you know a a, a near flawless player who was even younger and was going to be insane and awesome. And Manny Machado was having like basically the closest thing to a Mike Trout age 20 season that we've, that we've seen in the last 50 years other than Mike Trout. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess other than Alex Rodriguez. Um, and so I think it was pretty obvious last year that you'd take the two, but this year I just, dis- did you not hear me describing how they're both damaged goods? <laughs> you they're did. both broken beyond repair. Yeah. I don't know that I want either one of them on my team. Hmm. Under any circumstances. The gap between Trout and Harper right now, eh, it, it seems to me... It's pretty big. It's like a it, four or five win se- It's four or five wins a year is the gap right now. Well, it, yeah, it seems like that right now. I don't... No, no. I mean, it seems like that in Pakoda. Like, I think mm. at the beginning of the year, I think it was like that in Pakoda. Before the injury, so let, yeah, I'm, I'm Dakota was really down on on Harper as I re, as I recall, relative yeah. to other projection systems, even possibly. That's but, true. Yeah. Um, so right now, uh, Trout is a uh, 6.8 warp projection from Pakoda at the beginning of the year, uh, and I think Harper was like 2.1. Yeah. So that's a big gap. And looking up, uh, and. You know, so Machado probably—I don't know—Machado doesn't make that up entirely. Oh, Bryce Harper was two point nine. All right, so yeah, and I'm not—I mean, I'm not sure I—I buy that gap. I buy the Trout projection. If anything, it seems conservative almost. But Machado was three point six, so they were basically equal. Like the 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 two of them combined by Pakoda standards were basically Trout. Now, mm-hmm. you're saying that it was too conservative on Harper, and so that's why you would have picked Harper and Machado at the beginning of the year. Yeah. And that makes perfect sense. But Trout has not done nearly as much to damage his, uh, I would say, his outlook as mm-hmm. Harper and, and Machado. Well, Harper certainly and Machado somewhat, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, Machado's coming off a fairly serious injury, that's which, my point. Which is yes, that's that's something that should be factored in. But, but I'm, I mean, I'm I'm sort of willing to accept that maybe he just you know that it, it's not that the injury significantly decreased his true talent level, but that it it just contributed to a slow start in some sense. Um, you know, took him a while to round into form, that sort of thing. So I'm not. Uh, that much lower on Machado than I was, say, when he was hurt, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. How many, uh, how many pitchers are on this list? Okay, so, yeah, that's another. What, okay, Looks so like not a whole lot. So we can now go on to other parts are of you, this. You're on, are you on record as Trout over Harper and Machado, then? Uh, I guess this is going to become a new bet for people to keep track of. Boy, um, sure. Okay. <laughs> I, right. I, it wouldn't have, to me, I, I, yeah, like I said, I wouldn't have been, and um, probably if you hadn't taken a, mm-hmm. a firm stand, uh, I might not have felt the need to, to take a different stand, uh, but I'm comfortable. Sure, I'll take, I'll take Trout. All right, so we'll check in on that in a decade. 
All right, so uh, you're looking. Are you looking at the list right now? Yes. Where does it lose you? What's the first pick that you slap your forehead? Well, I guess we can. I mean, we can we can link to this in the Facebook group and on the blog post so people can follow along. But it goes: Trout, Harper, Kershaw, Machado, Puig, Tanaka, Stanton, McCutcheon, Tulowitzki, Cabrera. I guess Cabrera is where it loses me. Just so our friend, uh, our friend Sky Kaufman has um, has made the case the last couple of uh, franchise drafts that in fact, uh, what these drafts tend to do is is way overvalue the young and way undervalue the current producer, and that virtually all of our predictive capabilities are in the next five years, and that you should really look at this as a five year draft, hmm. and that guys like Cabrera are usually, I don't know if Cabrera specifically, because as, as you know, Cabrera has in the past been known to be overrated by certain elements, uh, but uh, that generally guys like Cabrera, guys at that age range, are uh, are usually taken far too low. Hmm. That, that could be, sure. And yeah, I mean, my initial inclination was that that someone over 30 on a, on a list where we're looking at the next decade has a disadvantage over... I mean, everyone. I mean, I can see taking Cabrera over, say, Tulowitzki. I suppose just just based on the the health and and track record. That that seems fair. So it's not it's not a crazy pick. And then it goes Longoria, Goldschmidt, Darvish, Posey, Felix, Hayward. Sort of surprised to see him that high. Yeah, I was too. Um, Freddie Freeman. Joey Votto, Xander Bogarts, Josh Donaldson, Carlos Gomez, Andrelton Simmons, who I might I might have higher, I think. Uh, yeah, certainly. You could make a case for him being top ten. Yeah. You could um, make a certainly Carlos Gomez seems like you could make a case for him being higher too. Mm-hmm. You can make a case for a lot of these guys being higher or lower, actually. Mm-hmm. That's the point of this. And Jose Abreu then comes next, which eh, I mean Kind of questionable if you think maybe that that he will not, you know, that the league will make some sort of adjustment as he goes. And what we've seen from him so far is not quite reflective of what we'll continue to see from him. On the other hand, if if this is who he is, then he's he's one of the best hitters in baseball and he's in his prime. So it's not a not a crazy, crazy pick. And then Salvador Perez, Michael Waka, Jose Fernandez, Gregory Polanco, Yadi Molina, Byron Buxton and Julio Tejeron. So how many pitchers was that? Did you count? Um, I didn't. Let's see. So uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh-huh. So seven out of 30 picks were pitchers. That's, I guess that sounds about right. Although, what, two of the guys on this list are currently recovering from Tommy John surgery? Um, Who's the second one? Was uh, and who else? Harvey. Harvey's not on this list. He's not? Oh, I was looking at 2013 again. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. That's interesting. All right. Well, Isn't that interesting? Yeah, isn't it interesting? Yeah. That... Uh, so so, so was this, I that, this was done before Harvey was hurt last year. But Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I, thought that, uh, I thought that Jose Fernandez was too low. I feel like if there's... Uh, it, so all pitchers who are doing well are going to be overvalued in a draft like this because pitchers are unpredictable. 
and whatever you think they are, that's what they're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then by that by that reasoning, it seems like all pitchers who are not doing well or mm-hmm. are currently injured are undervalued. And so actually it seemed like Fernandez was docked way too like if Fernandez three weeks ago Fernandez would have been like the fourth guy taken here. Right. And so Tommy John knocks out basically, you know, four or five months of, of pitching, six I guess six months of pitching for him. And uh, and gives him, you know, maybe a twenty percent uh, risk reduction. But uh, it feels like way too low to drop. I mean to drop him to basically Julio Tehran's uh, level mm-hmm. feels feels off. So let me ask you this. Say you've got two guys, one they're both twenty five, uh, and one of them has produced uh, one one of them is a hitter mm-hmm. and he's produced say fifteen wins above replacement over the last three years. Uh, which is I don't know, basically makes him like, you know, more or less McCutcheon or, or Stanton, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many wins above replacement would a twenty five year old pitcher have to have produced? over the previous three seasons for you to choose him over the hitter? Hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if he would even really need to have... I mean, I would be less inclined to take a pitcher, but that doesn't mean that I would then want the pitcher to have produced more over those years. Like, I'd be be just as comfortable taking a pitcher who had been elite for two years and had produced, you know, 12 wins or something... As I would taking a pitcher who, who produced who who had been elite for four years and you know had doubled that number. In fact, I might prefer the guy um, who hadn't been at the elite level for as long because maybe he maybe he broke in later. Maybe he has less strain on his arm or something. So, so I don't know. I I don't think there's a there's really one one number. I would I would be more hesitant to take the pitcher, but. But I wouldn't compensate by then saying that the pitcher would have had to produce more over the previous X years. So then, uh, in that case, Kershaw would have been in consideration for you for number two, uh, presumably. Uh, in, not necessarily you would have picked him, but in consideration, you wouldn't have ruled him out. Who would have been your number two pick in this draft? Hmm. I mean, I would have considered Puig, probably. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, I might have, I don't know, it probably would have been between Puig and Harper. I probably still would have considered Harper in that in that slot. Mm-hmm. I think I would have gone with uh, Giancarlo Stanton. Uh-huh. Someone asked me just a couple of days ago whether I would want Puig, Stanton, or Batista just like for right now, just for mm-hmm. the rest of the season. And I said Puig. So if I would take Puig for the rest of the season, then I would I would take Puig beyond this season as well. Well, not necessarily, though. I mean, the further out you go, the more makeup matters. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, only five players who were drafted last year were drafted higher this year, which means uh-huh. that basically three stayed the same, and then 22 are, are, are worse this year than they were last year. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and in fact... 15 of the 30, half of these, uh, were turned over. They just weren't on the list at all. <laughs> number 7, not on the list at all. Number 8, not on the list at all. Number 14, not on the list at all. And basically, the entire bottom half of this year's list is new. Uh, so, Which 
makes sense, I suppose. Or it makes sense that, that there'd be more decliners than risers because presumably the people who were on the top 30 list last year were, were you know, overperforming their true talent or they'd, they'd been lucky or they'd been healthy or something. Just like you look at any leaderboard in any given year and, and a lot of those people will fall off it on the, the following year. Yeah, because this isn't a leaderboard. This is a this should be something that people are able to price in regression. And the fact that I don't, I don't know how good people are good, are at that though. Yeah, well, no, we're we're horrible at it. I mean, I I um I just picked Giancarlo Stanton to be my number two pick, and uh, I wouldn't have a month and a half ago. So I probably shouldn't pick Giancarlo Stanton to be the number two pick. That would be me making the same mistake. Um, but so does this tell you anything about actually putting together a franchise? Can you, is there a lesson that we should take from this about human nature? Putting together a franchise is hard. Uh But somebody, (laughs) somebody's going to win, right? There's 30 guys here. Somebody's somebody won. So who won? Who's the guy who won? I mean, what do you just have to hope that you get, you hope the, that you get trout. You get trout, right? <laughs> yeah. Is that it? Is Pretty that much. simple? <laughs> I think so. That's uh, the old way to win. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Uh, and then, and then, last thing, Chris Sale not taken. Hmm. Where was know, he last year? I know he's he wasn't taken last year either. I know he's a funny looking guy. Yeah. I know he's I know he's probably gonna have Tommy John in the next like week and a half because he was just out with elbow right. elbow pain and. I know, but I mean, Chris Sale. Is there anybody like I? I honestly am not sure that there's any pitcher in baseball I would rather have start tomorrow. Well, not tomorrow because he just pitched like two days ago. But I, I think it, one start right now, it might be Chris Sale. Mm-hmm. And so this seems like I don't know. Is this? Do you think this is just that we are overreacting to the Tommy John epidemic and are just we, we, we? You and I didn't get a pick. That, that the world, though, is overreacting to the Tommy John epidemic, and we just can't take a guy with funky mechanics seriously because we're, yeah. we're convinced that it's nothing but doom for him. Yeah, although it looks like the same, same was the case last year when it wasn't quite the same level of Tommy John hysteria. He wasn't taken then either. He wasn't um, quite the level of pitcher at that point, though. Yeah, but he also hadn't had the injury. Um that's true. Does does Julio Tehran's uh, presence here surprise you? Because we, oh yeah, sure. I mean, we just did a we when we did our last under twenty five starter draft. wasn't like he wasn't even one of our top picks on that list. I don't no, think. we got. I think somebody yelled at us. Yes, <laughs> someone questioned whether we were serious about that. Yeah, and I guess we were. So and so don't that, call me Shirley. <laughs> so that. Uh, that seems that seems surprising. That seems like a, maybe an artifact of his current sub two ERA and two fifteen BABIP. How about how about uh, Steven Strasburg not being taken? Mm. Maybe that's a, a Tommy John hysteria product also, and maybe maybe it's not an unreasonable one because he's he's already had it once and he he still pitches the same way, and the the mechanics people will all still tell you that. That it's not it's not good. So you'd think that it might just uh, lead to the same same result eventually once he wears out the the new ligament. 
He was taken last year. So last year, uh, Dan Zimborski uh, looked at the uh, he he used I don't know I think he used ten year projections to see who was the most underrated player who had been picked in this who who was picked too low basically. And last year, it, uh, the 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 winner or whatever of that was Jurickson Profar. Jurickson Profar was considered the best value. Uh, he was taken twenty fourth in last year's franchise draft. And that was enough to make him the best value in the franchise draft. And right now, Jerickson Profar, how many would you have to go to get to Jerickson Profar? 115, 150? Uh, yeah, I'd have to play it out to see, but it would it would not be close. How so. many minor leaguers would you take over Jerickson mm. Profar right now? 40? Mm, no, I don't think so. He'll never play again, Ben. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Mm. <laughs> All right. That's it. We did what ESPN wanted us to do. <laughs> yes, we did. All right. So that's it for today's show. Please send us emails at podcast at baseballprospectus.com, and we will answer some of them tomorrow. And please support our sponsor, Baseball Reference. Go to baseballreference.com. Subscribe to the Play Index using the coupon code BP to get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription. We will be back tomorrow. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh, and both of us are here uh, with the support of the Play Index of Baseball Reference. Let's just restart that. <laughs> I kind of liked it. You switched it up a little bit. <laughs> all right. <laughs> keep going. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, I forget what. I have to now. <laughs> we can restart. <laughs> all right.